said, I'm gonna keep driving to church. Would you just say a prayer for us as we go to help calm your mother down? And she said, okay, mommy. I said, now, my eyes are closed. I'm gonna keep driving, but you close your eyes and I have so good. This is what he's praying. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we hit the pole this morning. <laughs> about our perspective. Everything is about perspective. And she had a very idealistic perspective. And I decided that the rest of life, I need to look at life with a little more of a, a, a sweet perspective, a childlike, you know, we're told in the scriptures. Well, today, as we talk about prayer, I hope I can give you some perspectives that are really meaningful for you. As I start right now, I would like you to take just one moment and say a silent prayer in your heart that you will receive the message God has for you today. So if you'll take that moment. Okay, so now I will begin. Prayer is so powerful. And they're going to teach you some wonderful things. Well, many years ago, um, and some of you have heard this story. It was told by our beloved prophet, um, Thomas S. Monson. He told the story of a young girl by the name of Crystal Methvin. Crystal lived just outside of Shreveport, Louisiana. They lived in a farming area about 80 miles away. And she was a, a girl that rode horses, and she loved riding and was very proficient in her riding. Well, when she was 10 years old, she found out that she had a carcinoma of the leg. And the cancer was getting bad. And she couldn't ride anymore, and she was sick in bed, and general conference was coming up. And so the family decided that they would travel to Salt Lake City for general conference. And they opened up the page of general conference. Now, this is a current one. I couldn't find one from back then. But they opened up this page, as you all know, and, and they asked, Crystal, who would you like to have give you a blessing? And she looked at that page, and one of the 12 apostles was Thomas S. Monson, and she pointed to him. She said, I want him. And so the family was making arrangements to get to Salt Lake, and, and during that time, her illness got worse. Well, before general conference, a state conference was coming up. And Crystal said, well, if... Elder Monson can't come to me, or if I can't go to him, maybe he can come to me. Maybe he can come for our state conference. Well, the state conference was already set, it was already set up who the speaker was going to be. And um, it was President Ezra Taft Benson. And all of a sudden, he had this strong impression. And he called Thomas S. Monson into his office. He said, I know you're scheduled to go to this other area but I need the brother that's supposed to be in Shreveport, Louisiana to go there. I need the apostle. And he said, would you be okay if you go? Okay. Like they said, it's all in your perspective. <laughs> anyway, he said, it, um, would you go to Shreveport, Louisiana? Well, you can imagine how the family felt when they found out that Thomas S. Monson, it had changed 
and suddenly at the last moment he was going to be the visitor for that for that state conference. Well, he came in and um, the people, they were thrilled to see him. He was sitting on the stand and it was in a Saturday evening session and I couldn't find a picture of him sitting on the stand in a sacrament meeting, so you recognize this wonderful chair. <laughs> but anyway, he's sitting on the stand, you can picture him, and he's sitting next to the state president. And the state president very, um, almost apologetically, turned to him and said, there is a family that lives outside of Shreveport, Louisiana, who has a daughter who has a very serious form of cancer. Would you be willing to go and give her a blessing? And he looked at the time frame, and um, this is the Saturday night session, and the next day they have early morning, and then they have conference, and then, I mean, it's just one thing after another, and he says, I just don't see how we can do it. It's just, we're just so busy. Um, call the family and tell them that we will have a special prayer for them. And so this, um, they went out to call the family and let them know, and the family, as you can imagine, was very disappointed but they fell to their knees and they pleaded with God one more time. Well, Apostle Monson was sitting on the stand, as I said, and he's just getting ready to speak, same meeting, and he's fumbling through his, his notes, and right then, the words come into his mind, suffer the little children to come unto me. And he knew that he needed to go and give this blessing. He turned to the state president and he said, go call the family right now and tell them I will come tomorrow morning early. And so they, the state president went back out and called the family. He called them just as they were getting up from their knees. And he said, Apostle Monson, Elder Monson will come to your home. He said he went to the home the next day and um, he gave a blessing to this beautiful young lady. And he said, I've never felt the spirit so strong in a home as I did that day. And he said, I blessed them with peace and love and all the beautiful things. And she did. She did pass away. But her faith that brought an apostle to their home, her faith. My brothers and sisters, as soon as we learn the true relationship which we stand toward God, Namely, God is our Father, and we are his children. And by the way, this is found in the Bible Dictionary under prayer. Then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. Remember, the relationship is he is our Father, and we are his children. Prayer is the act by which the will of the Father and the will of the child are brought into correspondence with each other. The object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessings that God is already willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. So blessings require some work or effort on our part before we can obtain them. Prayer is a form of work and is an appointed means for obtaining the highest of all blessings. It's through prayer. And as you're going to learn in this class, sometimes it can be the simplest of prayers. But prayers open the windows of heaven because he allows for agency. And as we pray, we are showing our agency, giving him, um, we're allowing him to bless us. 
President Nelson in October of 2020 said this. He said, now my dear brothers and sisters, it takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. Remember this wonderful talk. It takes persistence, rigorous spiritual work to repent and put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to deepen personal habits of study. Habits, I'm sorry, to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. In the next class, I'm going to give you some amazing um, insights on personal revelation. And by the way, I don't take any credit for those. Those um, came through much prayer. Well, through the scripture, we learn to ask, not consume. And we find it throughout the scriptures. Here's a couple of the um, scriptural references. Truman Madsen said 75 times in the scriptures, the Savior asks us, he says, to ask and seek. So in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And again in DNC 4, 7, Ask, and you shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. It shall be opened unto you if you but ask. Nephi 10.19 says, For he that diligently seeketh shall find. And the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Well, throughout this talk, I'm going to give you examples of the prophet Joseph Smith. He is a perfect example of prayer and um, having the desire to get answer to prayer. You'll all recall, and he read in James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Well, Joseph said the best way to obtain truth and wisdom is not to ask it from books, but to go to God in prayer and obtain divine teaching. So I just have to tell you, I had this experience probably 25 years ago. I was asked to speak on the Holy Ghost. And I had poured over so many different books. I had poured over things. I, I was um, standing in front of a large audience about this size. And it was actually to the youth at that time. And it was do it during an EFY. And I was pouring my heart out to know what I could teach to them. I went fasting that day. I was really nervous. I just wanted to make sure I said the right things. And as I stood on the stage, I will never forget this experience. It was like a funnel was at the top of my head. And the insights kept coming in. And I just started saying what was coming. And in the next class, I'm going to share that with you. I will share with you what came to me that day because I do not take any credit for it. My body was filled with strength and with knowledge, pure knowledge. Well, you have to ask. Joseph Smith, as we know, was the prophet of the, rebel, of the Restoration. God knew he was the prophet of the Restoration. But nothing happened until he asked. He had to ask. He went to the Grove of Trees and asked. 
It didn't happen until he asked. We have a dear friend by the name of Mike Dunn. He is now a general authority. He's one of the 70. And he shared with us many years ago this story, which I want to share with you. And, and I believe he's even had it published in one of his talks. But he is a runner and a magnificent runner, he and his wife both. And they were up in Jackson Hole and they were there for a weekend and he decided to go for a run out in the wilderness. He grabbed a pair of glasses, just as he's running out the, the door, he grabs some sunglasses and puts them on his eyes, although he's going to be in the woods, so it's going to be shaded, but he still felt impressed to grab those and begins running. In the course of his run, he ran into a bear. Now, this is the bear. Rob, is this the black bear? It's next one. He ran into one of these, a grizzly bear. I, I put the wrong bear in, and so my husband fixed it, and I forgot to take out the wrong one. So he ran into a grizzly bear. That looks pretty scary, doesn't it? and the grizzly bear attacked him. And he was thrashing and fighting for his life. He was doing what all of us would do if we were attacked. And he said right then, in a brief moment, he said, God help me. He offered a prayer. He opened the windows of heaven. And at the moment he asked that, the spirit said, play dead. And so he immediately went limp. He just played dead. And he said, the bear reared up, let go of him, and took off running into the woods. Now, luckily he had put on the eyeglasses because the bear's um, nail had hit him right at the eye and it showed it in the glasses. The plastic was indented, but his eye was spared because he had listened to the spirit. So my brothers and sisters, asking is so critical. You have to ask. He knows what you need, by the way, before you ask. If you ask, you open the windows of heaven. So there are five important elements of prayer. The first is to pray in faith. In James 1.5, we read, still with, with the scripture that Joseph Smith, Smith read, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Well, as Joseph knelt in the grove, he asked in faith. And like I said, God already knew he was the prophet of the restoration. But he asked in faith. And so the first vision was granted unto him. We read in 2 Nephi 27, 23, For behold, I am God, and I am a God of miracles. I will show unto the world that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I work not among the children of men, save it be according to their faith. Once again, that's 2 Nephi 27-23. According to their faith, he is a God of miracles. Well, Bruce R. McConkie said, Learn how to do so, referring to prayer, boldly and efficaciously, not in word only, but in spirit and in power, so that we may pull upon ourselves the very powers of heaven. When the needs vary, so does the intensity of prayers. Referring to the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is found, by the way, in the ensign of January 1976. And it's just, this is expressed so beautifully by Elder McConkie that I had to use this quote. He said, quote, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
Now here is a marvelous thing, continued Elder McConkie. Note it well. The Son of God prayed more earnestly. He who did all things well, teaching us, his brethren, that all prayers, his included, are not alike, and that a greater need calls forth more earnest and faith-filled pleadings before the throne of him to whom the prayers of the saints are a sweet savor. So prayers can change in their intensity depending on the need. The second item in prayer is to be specific in your asking. Now, Heavenly Father knows your hearts. He knows all of our hearts, all of our heartaches. He knows our challenges. He knows our desires. But he wants us to express them to him. He wants us to share with him. Just like we as parents, we know some of the things our children are struggling through or our grandchildren. But how wonderful it is when they come and sit down with us and share and talk to us. So, as I said, he knew that Joseph Smith was confused. He also knew that the brother of Jared needed light for the vessel. He knew that. But it wasn't until the brother of Jared went to him and asked that God showed him the light for the vessel. My sister has a friend who was a widow. Well, she was first divorced and then she was a widow and she'd been through some real heartache. And she just wanted so much to get married. And in her prayer, she was specific. She said, please, Heavenly Father, would you let me get married, and would you let it be on this side of the veil? <laughs> and bless her heart, she was specific. And he answered her specifically. And she was sitting in a, in a sacrament meeting, and the state patriarch, whose wife had died like a year earlier, was sitting on the stand. And as he's sitting out looking into the audience, he sees this woman, has no idea who she is, but sees a glow around her and feels impressed that he needs to go and meet her, which he did. And they dated shortly and they got married. The next is to believe that you will receive. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, and this is in his talk, Lord, I believe. He said, hope on, journey on, honestly acknowledge your questions and your concerns, but first and forever, fan the flame of your faith, because all things are possible to them that believe. So believe that you will receive. Joseph Smith, he believed that he would receive. When he went into that grove of trees, he believed that he would receive. He said, I at length came to the determination, this is Joseph Smith, to ask of God, concluding that if he gave wisdom to them that lacked wisdom and would give liberally and upbraid and not upbraid, I might venture. And you all know the rest of the story. It's pretty remarkable. Well, Enos believed he would receive a remission of his sins, and he stayed there all the day and all the night, and he did receive a remission of his sins. Later in his life, another story of Joseph Smith and told in the words of John Lyman. John said, in my early years, I used to eat often at the table with Joseph the prophet. At one time, he was called to dinner, and I was at play in the room with his young son, Joseph, um, when he called us to him. And we stood one on each side of him. After 
um, he had looked over the table. He said, Lord, we thank thee for this Johnny cake. And we ask thee to send us something better. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, the cornbread was cut. And Brother Lyman Smith said, I received a piece from his hand. But before the bread was all eaten, a man came to the door and asked if the prophet Joseph was at home. Joseph replied, he was. Whereupon the visitor said, I have brought you some flour and a ham. Joseph arose and took the gift and blessed the man in the name of the Lord. Turning to his wife, Emma, he said, I knew the Lord would answer my prayer. Isn't that amazing? They, um, and for those of you who want that reference, that is from They Knew the Prophet by Hiram L. Andrus and May Andrus. Well, the scriptures are full of lots of examples of those who knew they would receive. Um, they maybe didn't know how, but they knew they would receive. And I hope all of us know that God is mindful of us and we will receive. And we don't know how and maybe not when, but we will receive. You remember the story of Nephi, of Nephi returning for the brass plates. He knew, I will go and do. You all know that famous scripture. You know, my husband and I, are calling is public affairs for the church. It's called communication now. And evangelical youth come to Utah, and we go to Temple Square with them, and then we go do a Q&A with them. And, um, and they've been given copies of the Triple Combination from their pastors. And one of them raised his hand. He said, there's a scripture in your scriptures that says, um, it's in 1 Nephi 3, 7. It says, I will go and do the things that the Lord commands. And, you know, I knew it. My husband, I knew it before he said it. But he said, do you, do you believe that? And we said, absolutely. God will prepare a way for us. Well, Alma and Amulek walking out of the fallen prison. They knew it wasn't their time yet. Alma told Amulek it wasn't their time or the sons of Messiah teaching the Lamanites. They knew that they would have success. Joseph Smith translating the plates. He knew, no question, he knew that he could do that. Jesus Christ feeding the 5,000. He knew. And Jesus Christ healing Lazarus. He knew. Well, I'm just feeling strongly to share this story with you. A, a, a few weeks ago, um, my husband, well, I shouldn't say a few weeks ago, in December, my husband and I, we, we lead trips, trips all over the world, and we were at the Christmas markets in Europe. And the very last day of our trip, between two markets that were caves, you go inside the caves and wind through the caves, and then you come out and go in the other caves, a man in our group, I was, I was ahead of the group and showing them where the next caves were. And a man in our group who we found out partly through the trip had heart problems. And we're both going, oh wow, please take it easy. He collapsed on the sidewalk in Maastricht, Netherlands. He just fell, he fell down. And luckily one of the men in our group was a doctor and someone screamed to him, he came running. I called my husband, he came running. And they both began, well, the doctor began pumping on him and doing CPR. And, and then my husband, who is a larger man, said, let me take over and you check everything else. And, and Rob, by the way, Rob's here today. Rob, would you stand up? You need to see what an amazing man this is. Here's my husband, Rob. So Rob starts doing CPR. 
And as he's doing CPR, he just keeps doing that and, and the man dies. He died right here. I was bending down, I was comforting the wife. Several women were comforting her and I kept coming over to see. And right then, the doctor said we've lost him. The pulse is gone and then I heard him do the death rattle. And I just, I go, wow, he, this man just died. And Rob said, no, we're not gonna give up. We're just gonna keep pumping. We're gonna keep doing it. And, and the doctor says, yeah, let's just keep, keep going. And pretty soon the medical emergency people came and they took over. And right at that moment, Rob grabbed the consecrated oil out of his pocket and several of the men there, they gave a priesthood blessing to this man. And, and the paramedics, they said, what are you doing? Is there a head injury? And they said, no, 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 prayer, or prayer. <laughs> and I watched a man come back to life. I saw him die. And I saw him come back to life. And he is alive today in Texas, living a... He did have open heart surgery in the Netherlands. He was taken to the hospital. He did not come conscious for three days, but he started breathing, and we heard the breathing machine. And to this day, I will be humbled by the power of the priesthood. These men knew if they would offer the prayer and use the priesthood, that there would be a blessing. Now, that's not to say that everyone that has a priesthood blessing lives. They only live if that is what their timing is. If God is in the details. There are many who have died, who have received blessings. And my beloved father is one of them. But in, it was God who kept him alive because it wasn't his time yet. And it strengthened 90 of us that were traveling together to see a man come back to life. That was unbelievable to me. I felt like I had just lived through a Lazarus experience. Well, the next way, um, let me just say one more thing. Believe that you'll receive. We have a daughter. We moved into a ward. Oh, there's Ina. Sorry. Okay. Am I going the right way? Joseph, believe. Okay, I'm going the wrong way. It's because I've got it upside down. <laughs> sorry. Okay. We, sorry. I thought something's wrong here because I was pushing the forward, but it was upside down. Well, um, when we moved into our neighborhood, our daughter was just starting junior high and there was a kind of not a real cohesive group of teenagers her age. And I pleaded with God and I remember this prayer. I said, Heavenly Father, will you please bring a friend for our Whitney? I said, please, she had just left a group of nine best friends. I said, please, will you bring her a friend? And then I said this, I said, Heavenly Father, I don't know how you're going to do this. But I believe with all my heart that you are going to. I believe it. And I don't know how. About a month later, our ward divided. And our, it's the most unusual division you've ever seen. Our ward looks like a, an hour, an eight hourglass. And in the, we live in the top part of the hourglass, and the new friends for Whitney lived in the bottom. Be humble is the fourth grade. Be thou humble, we read in DNC 1.12.10, and the Lord thy God shall give thee, shall lead thee by the hand and give the answer to thy prayers. And again in Messiah 4.10, we read, and again believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart 
that he would forgive you. And now if you believe all these things, see that you do them. Well, Joseph Smith was upset. He was upset with Emmon. He could not translate. He couldn't translate until he made things right. And so humility is so important. I want to share with you an experience I had having um, with my beautiful mother, who, by the way, is 90 years old. And she's here today, too. Mom, would you stand up? She's here, my sweet 90-year-old mother. Wave to everybody. Mom lives with us now, and she's such a joy. Well, many years ago, um, before children, I was a corporate trainer, and I traveled the country speaking. Mom went with me on one of the tours. I was pregnant with my first child. And we went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we went to the Grand Am Hotel. We went inside, and we're walking around, and it was just so gorgeous. We were having the most wonderful experience. And we went to our room, and it was a beautiful room. And, but as we got there, I was feeling sicker and sicker and sicker. I was not feeling good. Kind of chills and fever came on suddenly. And, and I turned to my mom, and I said, wow. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak tomorrow. And she was traveling with me to see if it's something she would like to do. And I had a book. I said, Mom, here's my talks, my presentation. You might have to give it tomorrow. And here it is. And, and then I got in bed and went to sleep. And my mom was horrified. <laughs> the next day, there's going to be an audience like this in the ballroom of the hotel that I was supposed to be speaking to. And Mom was absolutely horrified. And bless her heart, she got on her knees and she prayed through the night. I didn't know this. I'm sick. I'm in bed. She prayed through the night. She turned her life over to God. She asked him to forgive her of anything she had ever done wrong in her life. Never. She pleaded for forgiveness. She said she pleaded that I would be made well. Well, here's the next thing I remember. Oops. Hold on. Oh, I guess I don't have it. Well, it's a picture of, of a brighter light coming into the room. And I remember waking up, I said, Mom, I said, this is so amazing. I, I, I'm well. I feel good. And my mom began to weep. I didn't know she'd been up all night praying. She then went to bed and I went and spoke. <laughs> <laughs> the next way is to show gratitude. I cannot emphasize this enough. When I was a young, um, a young girl, uh, at the age of 25, I felt overwhelming impressions to go on a mission. 25, back then, I mean, you can figure my age, I'm, I'm in my late 60s, and girls didn't go on missions. And I'm 25, and I'm being told to go on a mission, and there had always been a, it, there just had been, I just didn't want to go, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to go on a mission. And the Lord said, go on a mission and so I went and the state president gave me a blessing and in that blessing he said because of your sacrifice at this age the Lord is going to bless you in the mission field he said you will see many people come into the church but he said it's not because of you don't take any credit for yourself it's completely because of the Lord so he admonished me to show gratitude often he said show gratitude so I got out in the mission field and here's the state president giving the blessing. And, and every time we would find someone, we would go to a quiet spot. By the way, if any of you have missionaries out, tell them to do this. Every time we, every time we taught someone, 
we would go find a quiet spot. We would plead. I was in Belgium and France. You know how hard those oh, missions are. They were some of the hardest missions in the world. Missionaries were lucky back when I went to have one baptism a year. And every time we'd find somebody who would even open their door, we would go offer a prayer of gratitude. And here's the miracle. Within, like the next hour, somebody else would open their door and let us in. And so we'd go offer another prayer of gratitude. And then we'd be let in again, and again, and again. There is power in gratitude. You all know the story of Nephi. He's tied up. And what do we read in the scriptures? He praised God all the day long. In 1 Nephi, seven we read and it came to pass that he built an altar of stones and made an offering unto the Lord and gave thanks unto the Lord our God and Alma's people they clapped their hands for joy to be baptized and then later in Mosiah 21 21 they said yea and in the valley of Alma they poured out their thanks to God because he had been merciful unto them and eased their burdens and had delivered them out of bondage for they were in bondage, and none could deliver them except it were the Lord their God. Well, in our time, 1 Nephi 22:17. I have to tell you, back in 2008, you all remember that. The, there was the crash, kind of the, everybody was losing their savings and losing their businesses, and horrible things were happening. I remember I was so concerned. And I knew it was being manipulated by some of those back in Washington, and I just said, Heavenly Father, help, just help, give me some peace. And I said, I'm going to pick up my scriptures, so I grabbed my scriptures off my desk, and I opened them up, and I said, just give me an answer here in the scriptures, and this is the scripture that I came to. Wherefore, he will preserve the righteous by his power, even if it so be that the fullness of his wrath must come, and the righteous be preserved even unto the destruction of their enemies by fire. Wherefore the righteous need not fear. For thus saith the prophet, they shall be saved, even if it so be as by fire. My brothers and sisters, I don't know what's coming, I don't know what the future holds, but the righteous need not fear. Well, in Ether 6, 9 we read, and they did sing praises unto the Lord. May the brother of Jared did sing praises unto the Lord. He did thank and praise the Lord all the day long and all the night. They did not cease to praise him. And then in Doctrine and Covenants 62, sorry, 7, let me read this. I, the Lord, am willing, if any among you desire to ride, oh, this is when they were traveling, to ride upon horses or upon mules or in chariots, he shall receive this blessing if he receive it from the hand of the Lord with a thankful heart in all things. Well, President Nelson said, to be sure there are there may be times when you feel as though the heavens are closed. I know there's times I've prayed, I felt the heavens are closed. Are you hearing me, Heavenly Father? Of course he's hearing us. I had one prayer that wasn't answered for 22 years. But President Nelson goes on to say, but I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude, for every blessing the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. This is what personal revelation will do for you. 
and in the next hour I'm going to go into that in much more depth. Well, God gives to us what is best. He gives us what is best. He will teach us through the Holy Ghost, and like I said, the next hour I'm going to do a whole class on that. It's important to ask him that his will be done. I like to think of the analogy of a mountain. It's like he's at the top of the mountain and he can see both sides. We can only see what's right in front of us, but he can see the amazing blessings on the other side. And recently we studied Job. And you know, Job couldn't see what God had in store in the end. I remember receiving a blessing from um, the priesthood. And in that blessing, I was told that the overwhelming sorrow that I was going through in my life would one day, I would know joy beyond the sorrow that I was feeling. And I am here to stand before you today and tell you that that blessing came to pass. And so anyone in this room that is sorrowing, you will receive overwhelming joy. He knows what's in store for you. He knows what's on the other side of the mountain. He knows how he's going to bless you, and he will. Well, if we plead for our, our will, um, the consequences may be less. President Oak said, Heavenly Father knows more than we do. His will answer our prayers in the way that is best through his will. That's in January 2017. And I love this quote by Elder J. Devin Cornish, America's member of the 70. He said, sometimes we seem to get no answer to our sincere and striving prayers. It takes faith to remember that the Lord answers in his time and in his way so as to best bless us. And that quote is found in October 2011. The answer may not be what we want or maybe just not the timing we want. Well, God wants to bless us. And let me just share with you this beautiful quote by Elder Bednar. He said, strong faith in the Savior is submissively accepting his will and timing in our lives, even if the outcome is not what we had hoped for or wanted. Well, a number of years ago, my mom and I had an airplane flight, and um, it was a flight to Hong Kong. And in the course of that flight, we, I had an overwhelming impression that I was supposed to do family history. And I just asked Heavenly Father, I said, how do I do family history? How do I find time for it? And a spiritual voice said, stop playing league tennis. And I said, wow, ouch, that hurts. I still play tennis. I just don't do the day-long league. Now, that was just for me. One of my best friends, she plays league, and she gets all the family history done. So that was just me. God wants to bless us. And now for my final story. And this is such a beautiful story. Dr. Carl Fred Broderick from California, Southern California. Some of you maybe knew him. He was a state president, wonderful man. A marriage and family therapist, one of the best in the church, he and Dr. Victor Klein. Those two men, they have, have such a legacy. Well, President Carl Fred Broderick said a woman living next door to him was struggling. 
She'd had a pregnancy, and in that pregnancy, her uterus had thinned out so badly that she almost died. And so she was told by her doctor, you are never to have more children. Now she lived, and the baby lived. A few years later, she's having these overwhelming feelings that she's supposed to have a baby. And so she asks in prayer. She does the very thing that we've been talking about. And as she asks, she gets these overwhelming feelings. They don't go away that she's supposed to have another baby. So she goes to her husband. She says, honey, I've really been praying about this. I feel like we're supposed to have another baby. And he goes, no, absolutely no. I'm not willing to lose you. And she said, but, you know, with God, anything is possible. And he said, I'm, I'm not willing to lose you. So she quietly goes next door to the state president, Arthur Broderick, who is not only her state president, but also her whole teacher. And she says, President, tonight will you give me a blessing? And in that blessing, will you tell me that I'm supposed to have a baby? And I'm going to bring my husband here, and he will believe you. So when her husband comes home from work, she says, Honey, President Broderick's going to give me a blessing tonight. And concerning this question of whether we're supposed to have another baby, and he goes, okay. And so, um, unbeknownst to her, he calls President Roderick and says, President Roderick, tonight when you get that blessing, be sure you tell my wife she's not supposed to have another baby, because I don't want to lose her. So, they go over, and President Roderick said, I decided I would leave it up to the Lord. And he said, I offered a prayer. And he said, I laid my hands on her head to give her a blessing. And as I prayed, he said, the spirit came over me overwhelmingly. And I told her that she was supposed to have one more child, that it would be a man-child, that everything would go well in the pregnancy, and that after the pregnancy, she would have the strength to nurse this baby. Well, of course, this couple was obedient. And so they conceived she conceived of a baby as she was pregnant and during she had many ultrasounds and everything seemed to be going fine with the uterus and the day of delivery came and the baby was delivered healthy it was a little boy like she'd been promised healthy baby but as they were leaving the hospital she contracted a serious disease and i don't know the name of the disease but it causes great big red spots all over the body now they can give her a medication to take the spots away but if they do she her milk will dry up and she was told she would have the strength to nurse so she's not she refuses the medication so she asked president roger to give her another blessing so he gives her another one and he gives her two promises that the spots will go away and the milk will come in because the milk will come in and then he leaves for new york city he heads to New York. He's going to be speaking for a week. He's the keynote speaker and is in conferences all week. And as the week is going along, halfway through the week, this woman calls him. She's in tears. She said, President, the spots are still there. The milk has not come in. You promised me. She said, I thought that maybe I wasn't worthy enough. And so she said, I stayed up through the night and I prayed. And I asked Heavenly Father to forgive me of all my sins. She said, today I've been on the phone asking forgiveness of anyone I've ever offended, and still the spots are there, and there's no milk. President Broderick was really humbled by that. He was humbled by her faith, and so he decided he would do the same. That night, he got on his knees, and he asked God to forgive him of any sin he had ever committed. And the next day, he was on the phone calling people and asking for forgiveness. 
He wanted himself to be a worthy vessel so that her blessing would come to pass. Finally, by Saturday, he arrives back in Los Angeles. As he arrives back, um, he pulls up to his home. He walks in the house. He asks his wife. He says, how is our neighbor? And she said, horrible. The spots are everywhere. The milk hasn't come in. And she has promised that she will never come to church again. Oh, oh. And he said, oh, wow. He said, I don't want a blessing I gave to cause her to lose her faith. He says, this I know, I'll never give another blessing. And his wife said, well, on that matter, she would like one more blessing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, with great trepidation, he walks across the lawn to her. He walks over to her home. And knocks on the door and goes inside, and he offers a prayer. He said in the prayer, I didn't say anything about spots or anything about milk. He said, I gave the most sincere prayer, blessing that I could think. Then that blessing, I told her how much the Savior loved her. I told, I'll, I'll get to that one in just a minute. I told her how much the Savior loved her. I told her that if she was the only person living in the world, that the Savior would have bled from every pore of his body. If it was just her. And then I told her if she was the only person living in the world, that he would have hung on the cross just for her. Have you ever considered that? just for you. Well, the next day, she was at church. It was fast and testimony meeting. She got up. She bore her testimony. She said she looked awful. The spots were everywhere. She said, I don't know why I have these spots. I don't know why my milk has not come in. She said, but this I know. The Savior loves me. And then she sat down. Well, my brothers and sisters, that Sunday afternoon, her spots started to go away, and her milk came gushing forth but not until after the trial of her faith. And sometimes our prayers won't be answered immediately until after the trial of our faith. But I want you to consider for just a moment, if you were the only person in the world, you would still bleed from every pore of his body just for you. I have never considered that before. Just for each one of us. And if you were the only person living in the world, his love is perfect. His love is the perfect, perfect love. I want to bear my testimony to you, but I know he is. I want to bear my testimony to you that I know he is the mediator in all of your prayers. He and the Father are mindful of you. They know you. You are so important to them. And like I used to tell the youth, if the veil were lifted right now, and if you could see your spiritual self, you would fall to the ground and weep because of how glorious you are. My brothers and sisters, do you have any idea who you are? and how much he loves you, and how much he wants to answer your prayers and bless you and help you. I bear my testimony of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.